Hello and welcome to the Case Reopen Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me this week is the one, the only, the great detective of the Northeast. It's uh, Justin. How's it going, Justin? <laughs> yep, that's me. I'm, I'm playing video games. I'm ready to nail this second case in this episode. Indeed, we've got two cases today, but not joining us is Kyle. Once again, out uh, doing drugs and partying with strippers. I'm surprised you nailed it last uh, episode. Yeah, somehow like, I just knew he wouldn't like you show said, up. And it's not like we're recording this back-to-back, like you said. Either. Yeah, I know, it's strange. So, it's not like I have a weird. vacation next week. That means I can't record or anything. This just all happened. It's really weird. Uh, but the first, yeah. first episode we're covering is episode 53, The Mystery Weapon Murder Case. This originally aired on April 7th, 1997 and ken says at the beginning today's case involves a mysterious weapon let's solve it which is like the most generic of these little introductions i've seen for him like okay that's what happens with the tv original like isn't that 90 percent of the cases though it's a mysterious weapon like it's not like he's really solving (laughs) run-of-the-mill murders that often yeah, no. Especially when he just came up. Like, if we're going, like, these cases happen one after another. Like, especially when he just came off a, like, an impossible murder with possibly a Tengu. Yeah, that used no, a waterfall. A mysterious weapon. Yeah. yeah he used a waterfall to kill somebody, weapon. but this one will really blow your mind. Uh, we get a new opening <laughs> song, which is uh, Nazo uh, by Miho Kamatsu. And it's a jam. I really like this song. Yeah, it's one of my top five. It's really good. For sure. Um, it's interesting because, like, the other two, the other songs we've had, we had uh, Doki Doki, which uh, a <laughs> beautiful song. I can't really remember how, oh, my Doki Doki heart, but uh, I kind of just remember it because I want to go, <laughs> don't break my heart, my Doki Doki heart. I just can't take it anymore. But, uh, you know, that has a memorable part to it. Uh, Feel Your Heart by Velvet Garden. That had, like, a a memorable English uh, uh, phrase to it where the the singer's like, Feel your heart at the end. Uh, And this doesn't really have it, but I feel like as a a full song, even if it doesn't have, like, that one moment that I can, like, bell it out now, I I feel like this is the best song Mm -hmm. yet. This was a banger. Yeah, it feels like it's weird, like the feeling of it and like the sound, it kind of feels like it is like catered to like mysterious, like the detective. It's really hard to explain. Yeah, it knows the vibe uh, of Conan for sure. Yeah. Whereas the other ones were just like, oh, this is feeding off the ran being left behind by Shinichi. <laughs> <laughs> which was like one episode way back in the day and they just keep like twisting that knife with those songs exactly it's a it's as if two chains that's a vibe is playing this is a <laughs> this is a vibe a different vibe this is my vibe all the bitches like it all right <laughs> shout shout the two chains we'll have him on the podcast someday i bet he's a detective kind of fan he probably has the best Might nickname be. in all of rap because he, he went by the name Titty Boy for a while, which is pretty cool. Huh. Shout out to T-Chain. 
Uh, <laughs> this episode begins with Conan, Kokoro, and Ron taking a walk. When Conan notices a bird just totally out of it on the concrete, he checks it for injuries, but it seems fine, and then it flies away. They then hear a scream from a nearby building and run into it to check. Although, Kogura, like, doesn't notice <laughs> the door, and he just fucking barrels into it face first, like a dumbass. God, poor Kogura. He just, he takes some massive head trauma during the show. Oh, he has to have lost all his brain cells by the end of this. I am fully convinced. But I bet, like, getting knocked out by that tranquilizer isn't good either. Especially because it's made by Agasa, and they haven't shown it too much in the show yet. He, his inventions aren't that great. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to be like one adjustment away from being great, but they're always like failing. Yeah. And g- exploding. <laughs> yeah, but Conan seems to get the best ones, and he's the only one that has them. It's like, mm-hmm. I see what your game is, Agasa. Uh... You know, there is a interesting, like, fan theory that people have put out, which is that, like, Agas is actually, like, black organization. Like, the big bad. He's the leader. It doesn't really make much sense, because he's always helping Conan. Oh, no. So, like, it's kind of the things that you're like, hmm, but then you think about it five seconds, you're like, oh, that's stupid. But, uh, I think Agas is just a good guy. Yeah. And my god, and if he was, like, trying to, like, play the long game of, like, being friendly with him, it's been going on for, like, a thousand episodes. You think he'd strike by now? (laughs) My god. Especially if, like, Conan is, like, especially now, he's, like, on the teetering edge of figuring shit out. Like... Yeah. (laughs) uh, You'd think he would have striked a long time ago. Conan notices that there's only two tenants in the building, and Kogure reports the scream when a man with a large bag walks in and a woman comes down and says that her husband was killed on the balcony. Kogure introduces himself and they all take the escalator up to their room. They learn that the building is being demolished at the end of the month and that's why so few people live there at the moment. Kogure opens the door and Conan spots high heels and two pairs of men's shoes. Uh, I thought that would wind up being way more important than it did because I was like, hmm, all these mm-hmm. shoes... Because I'm trying to figure out these... Yeah, usually when he... Usually when Conan, like, looks at something and, like, says something about something, it's like, oh, that's probably important. And then this Yeah, this like, really oh, did not wind no. up being important. Um, I will say, I'm kind of like you, to where even if I've seen these anime originals, they don't stick with me quite as much as uh, no. the regular cases. So I totally forgot who did it and how this was done. So I was mm-hmm. once again trying to figure when... it out. When it showed the actual scene of him doing it, spoilers, <laughs> um, the person that killed him, I'm like, oh, you know what? I do remember this, but that was literally the only yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, like you remember bits and it pieces. It all came flooding back then. Uh, so they find the husband dead, and then there's another man standing by him. Kogoro says that the flower pot is likely the weapon, and he asks who the man is. The man says his name is Dabashi. Uh, Inspector Megari then arrives, and he says that the death, uh, the cause of death is a blow to the head. Conan finds a scratch on the balcony's guardrail, but Kogura tells him to stop interrupting the investigation, so we kind of get that 
classic scene where Conan finds a hint, but Kegger is like, scram, kid. Which we've seen like roughly 500 times and we're only on episodes like 53. Uh, yep. We then learn that the husband was a Moto uh, Ryusuke, the president of the Need real, real estate company. Uh, the wife is Takako, and she's the one that discovered the body. Meanwhile, Tabashi used to be a Moto's boss and was the one that put the couple together. Uh, he said that he came here for a business matter, and the other man is Terasawa, who lives on the fifth floor. He says his fishing shop was taken by a Moto using dirty, barely legal methods. Tabashi says that uh, him and his wife were getting divorced and uh, that they were in litigation over settlement money. But now she'll receive her inheritance now that he's dead. And then she reveals that the Bashi's... It was her! She reveals that the Bashi's company is going bankrupt. So everybody has a motive for wanting this dude dead, which is really funny. <laughs> uh, and then the landlord reveals that the front entrance is the only way to arrive and leave and that he's got a log. Uh, early on, though, did you who do you think was the killer? Uh, the wife. Like... It's it's horrible to say, but like most motives in these, it's always seems to be that motive, but not said right away. It's usually said later because it's like somehow figured out by like some other clue. Um, but this one came out and kind of said it, and it's just like, oh, yep, it's her. But yeah, they do I do like really angry spouses a lot to think about um, in personal much. relationships like that. So I was also suspecting the spouse, but uh, I had no clue how she did it. So uh, I was very interested. I was like, mm-hmm. huh, what'd she do? So I was still interested in what happened here. Um, we then learn that uh, everybody gives their alibi. The wife says that she arrived just after five o'clock. She uh, talked to her husband about the. Uh, she went to talk to her husband about the settlement and says they had separated 10 days prior. Her husband was alone on the balcony performing Tai Chi, and uh, he didn't notice her. She then went to the bathroom. When she returned, he was dead. She says that she was only in the restroom for about two minutes and didn't hear any noises. Conan asked if uh, she saw shoes in the hall when she arrived, and she said that she only saw her husband's shoes, and I believed her there because if I know anything about a, about women, Justin, it's that they know their shoes. <laughs> Uh, Debashi. They do. Uh, I can't really talk shit because I just bought a new pair of shoes today. Uh, like yesterday <laughs> when I totally didn't, didn't need new shoes. I guess I'm just a sh- uh, guilty. Uh, Debashi says he arrived just before five o'clock and that he came here to ask for a loan. However, he refused. Debashi then went to the roof as he, he was going to commit suicide, but he couldn't go through with jumping. So we like to do these relatable moments here so justin have you ever gone to a roof and wanted to commit suicide (laughs) um no because guess what i'm afraid of heights and or falling still haven't figured out which one yet (laughs) but i came look over a a, like a a second floor like railing down at like the first floor without like feeling uneasy yeah i I get like that too because it's like oh what if somebody pushes me but i'm stuck Exactly. I'm kind of fine. Like I'm mostly fine with it, and I'm gonna be going to a theme park and doing rides where you just go up into the air and then it drops you and yep. shit. So I'll be. I'm like. I'm like fine with it, but I still have that fear whenever I'm looking over shit. I'm like, what if somebody just fucking tosses me over? Um, and for the record, yeah, like I, I, I've never tried to go to a roof to jump off, 
But I did think about jumping well, off a bridge when I was suicidal. But but no rooftops. I don't know any roofs like tall enough that I can access. So don't laugh. That this was a real relatable moment, Justin. No, I'm laughing at. It. I couldn't find a tall building, and I'm just like, all I did was look out my window, and I'm like, oh, building, cool. Yeah, tall. but I don't know how to get to the roof <laughs> of buildings. Like, aren't they usually locked? I, don't know. I mean, ladders, climb. I, I don't know, man. See, I don't know because I won't even go up there in the beginning. <laughs> Do some research and figure this out. We'll talk about it next episode. <laughs> Experiment a little bit, see if you can survive. Yeah, yeah we'll see how right. far we can fall. I'll come back. You. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever's not on the podcast uh, next week. You know they went just a little too far. Uh, Debashi. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Debashi, he's on the roof and he hears t- uh, Takako scream. And it's from the other side of the building. He then rushed back to the room. Uh, Terasala says he wasn't here. And that the- I, have to, I have to cut you off. I have to cut you off. Suicide is not cool. If you need help, please call the hotline. You can continue. <laughs> I wasn't letting that go. Eh, it's all scam. Um, Tarasawa. <laughs> God damn it, Tyler. He says he has nothing to do with the case, um, and that he left the building at 4.50 and returned at 5.12. Uh, he said that he was going to practice golf, but then he changed his mind. Kogoro says that Tarasawa isn't the killer, as he wasn't in the building, and then he lays out how each of the other two could have killed him. The boss, he then says that he heard a clang noise, uh, near the balcony while he's on the roof. And Conan says it might have been something hitting the railing. Uh, Conan hits the railing with an object. And Debashi says the noise matches it. However, the wife says she didn't hear the noise when she was in the bathroom. Kegger says if the murderer was somebody else, then they had to fly like a bird. Hmm, that's a hint. Uh, Conan remembers the bird he found earlier. And that's when he notices a deserted building across the street. He figures the case out. And he says that the flower pot wasn't the murder weapon. I gotta ask, Justin, because <gasps> this really is an absurd murder weapon that they have during this episode. Mm-hmm. Did you have a clue of what the real kill- nope. murder weapon was? Oh, no. Like, I, I don't even know how you can figure it out ahead of time. Yeah, so the uh, fish shop owners... Like I, I'm trying to remember if they even showed it. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, the fish shop owner says that he's going back to his room, and that's when Conan uses string and a coin to create what looks like a clacker. I can now say that he made a miniature uh, fishing rod, and then he says that he hopes that Kogoro takes the hint. Kogoro checks where the victim fell in the railing, and it looks like uh, where the bird fell. It all creates a straight line, and Kogoro says he knows who the murderer is, and that he'll explain it once they get to the empty building. Uh, I I kind of like this because we got a rare instance of him not knocking out Kagero and Kagero kind of mm-hmm. just putting shit together here. Yep, but it, even though it was a TV original, like that yeah. one instance of it is why I like the episode a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I like when Kagero is not a total dumbass. Uh, they travel to the adjacent mm-hmm. building. And Mori asks everybody if they've been to this place before. They all deny it. Kagura says that they can see the victim's balcony from here. And then he explains whip fishing. 
I think it's safe to say that neither of us have ever gone whip fishing. I think he's. I wonder if he's talking about like fly fishing. I wonder if that's the same thing. That's what I was thinking. Because like, it is a long line like that. So let me see if whip fishing is it. Maybe whip fishing is its own thing. Uh, Whip fishing. I need to learn to whip or not. Hmm. I don't see many results. It might just be like fly fishing or something. But anyhow. Um, he talks about whip fishing, which, uh, the murderer used, uh, sorry, where am I at? Okay. The murderer used whip fishing to cast a sinker onto the balcony and struck the victim's head with it. (laughs) This is the most ridiculous murder. The guy, like, stood, like, 200 feet away from this dude and just fucking threw a fucking fishing line at him. It hit him on the side of his and it, head. like to the point where it was, didn't just knock him out, but it was fatal. Like, mm-hmm. and it was like it had to have been so big and so heavy that they thought it was the pot that actually did the damage. Like, yeah, this seems unrealistic. Two different things, right there. Yeah, this is one of the few Conan cases where I just do not buy the explanation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Kegaro shows the footprint as evidence and says that the left foot was placed firmly while he cast. The murderer took advantage of his slow Tai Chi movements and while oh, yeah. rolling the line back, the sinker then hit uh, the railing causing the clang noise. But one thing the killer didn't plan on was a bird getting hit by the sinker while it was being rolled back in. The bird Conan picked up likely had a concussion. Megary asks if it's even possible to hit someone from that distance, and Kegar is like, um, I'm sure if you practice enough, you can do it. <laughs> yep, that, that's the explanation. Uh, that's all you Kegar need. says sure. that, uh, if Teresawa's shoes match, then they'll have the evidence. Cannon point, then points out a rod grip on the ground, and that it has the murderer's fingerprints on it. That gets Teresawa to admit to the crime, and he says that the victim was going to build a shopping mall there, and that he... After getting ownership of his fishing store, he laughed at him, and he insulted the great pastime of fishing before crushing his rods. <sighs> That's why he couldn't forgive him. Um, like, last episode, we were talking about, like, believable murder, uh, like, motives, mm-hmm. and how it made sense for the guy to want to avenge his brother, and then this guy just wants to avenge his fishing rods. <laughs> I know. I was, I forget what I was going to say last episode, but it was something about, like, breaking, like, sticks or the wood and something like that. I'm like, yeah, like, another case that's coming up or something. Oh, man. This isn't a great episode. (laughs) Well, actually, you know what they say, sticks and stones may break your bones. Words will never hurt you, but, uh. I think this episode kept my attention the whole way through, so it's not, like, a boring one, but I was just kind of disappointed with all the answers. Like, I thought the weapon, like, while, like, the way he pulled it off was kind of cool, I found it so unrealistic that, uh, I didn't really believe it, and then I thought his motive was pretty weak. Um, Mm -hmm. like, maybe even if he just focused on losing his business he put everything into, but instead he's like, he destroyed my rods, and it's like, dude... Come on. Yeah. And, like, a lot of the killers in this show are unlucky with, like, evidence and stuff like that. Really? A bird? How the hell? Like, 
he must be the most unlucky killer in, like, all of Detective Conan that he somehow hit a bird that happened to fly, like, way too close. It's just, it does uh, I mean, that's not why got him caught. Like, he was still stupid enough to just leave that grip there, which was funny. Um, and that, too, like... Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, he's just dumb. He sucks. Uh, it was all for his rods, man. Yeah. After the ending song, the three of them are fishing, and Ron compliments Kegaro, saying she really thinks highly of him now. And uh, Kegaro wonders if Kenny gave him a hint on purpose... But then Kenan bumps into Kegaro after getting a bite, and then he falls into the water. And then Kegaro's like, ah, it's impossible, this kid. So, what'd you think of the episode? I don't want to be too harsh on it, because I did enjoy it, but I just thought it was a weaker one in general. Yeah, it's one of those hard-to-believe episodes, but, like, let's just say that could actually happen and get all that stuff. I mean... It's a really cool idea, like, very unique, um, and really not thinking he was the villain, uh, the killer, from not being there, people thinking he happened right there, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's cool being able to, like, execute, like, a melee-based, like, murder when you're, like, 200 feet away. That's pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the next Conan's hint is the numbered cloakroom tokens. So, that all ties into episode 54, which is the Game Company Murder Case. And this originally aired April 14th, 1997, and this is the last episode of season two here. Conan says, today's stage is a five-star hotel. I found the mysterious syndicate. How excited were you to rewatch this? We finally see the black organization again after like 40 episodes. <laughs> uh, I was excited. And then I remembered what happened. And then I'm like, oh man, that, that hype uh, goes up in smoke. Huh? Yeah. Huh? I, I do got to huh? say. Yeah, I get it. That's a good, good one, Justin. <laughs> I could tell. Your jokes are really unappreciated here. I'm sorry. <laughs> you all you come up with a comedy gold each episode, and then they just fall flat. Nope, that's my jokes. So be prepared for 900 some plus episodes. Oh, of well over a thousand, man. Because we've got the OVAs, <laughs> we've right. got the movies. We're doing the live action series. We're doing Kaido Kid. We've <laughs> we've got way too much. Uh, we learned that Kegura consulted on a video game called The Great Detective Mori Kagura's Murder in the Mansion, which I would totally play, for the record. Yeah? You know, they've released, like, a bunch of Detective Conan games. I really hope that one was actually called that, because that'd be really cool. I don't I don't think so, either. I remember I was... I was looking for a while because I would like to get some, or I wanted to. I know there's I one for the Wonder Swan color because I I downloaded yes. it and then I had no clue what to do because <laughs> it's all. In I Japanese. think that was like the first one. Uh, uh, I know I downloaded like the one of the first Game Boy ones or something like that. So Koguro, Ron, and Conan's all at this event, and the real Koguro is super hungover from celebrating last night, and he mentions that he was drinking gin, vodka, and bourbon. 
This completely triggers Conan, who remembers the code names of Jen and Vodka, the men in black that drugged him. It also reminds us of a total like uh, issue continuity error with the anime because he should not know these mm-hmm. names at all. Nope, but he does. Also, Man. it's crazy. I mean, again, the 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 vodka, the alcohol names, but like bourbon doesn't actually. That alcohol doesn't show up until way later. Yeah, <laughs> some long it's planning. Very there. surprising. Uh, Kagura mm-hmm. runs into Nakajima from Mantendo, which is the game company that <laughs> um, made his game. So Mantendo. I'd play the. What game. do you think that could be based off of? Maybe Sony. Mm. God, how funny would have been if PlayStation had uh, pr- uh, had been the advertiser for this episode. <laughs> That would have been hilarious. Yeah, so this PlayStation-sponsored episode going through Mantendo. <laughs> uh, so uh, Nakajima's a designer of the video game, and then a man named Ueda appears, and he says that he didn't actually design the game. He says, you're a genius at taking things from people, both their work and their women. Boom. Uh, we then Got him. We then meet Takashita. He was another developer there. Ueda then says he'll forget it. Uh, this time, as Nakajima's having a hard time with his creditors. So it looks like he might have money issues. Mori gets his token hmm. from the cloakroom, which uh, is yellow in the number 96. And then all the Mantendo guys cut in line as they're late to a meeting, and they all have the same briefcases, uh, tie pins, and wristwatches due to their boss's rules. However, they're all bulky, and the only person that doesn't carry them is their actual boss. While they're complaining about them, their actual boss appears and overhears the complaints, which is a really funny scene. <laughs> uh, then Ron gets her number in exactly 100. She says it's lucky, and that something good will happen lucky. today. Ron and Kenan then play a fighting game, and Ron wins, and Kenan remarks that she really is lucky today. Uh... So then, uh, to do Takashita has, uh, Nakajima, has Nakajima try, uh, this punching game where you punch a speed bag and then it tells you, like, how powerful we punch was. And he scores 348 on it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, I used to box. I'm pretty cool. And then, um, he tells Ron <laughs> to give it a try. And he's like, oh, it's a great stress relief. And she's like, oh, okay. And she yells, hurry and come home, Shinichi. While punching it, and she scores a perfect 400. So, I was really expecting her to kick it too. Uh. <laughs> that would have been great. And uh, I really loved Conan's reaction here because he was like, "Like, oh geez, I better not piss off this girl." I was gonna say uh, that could have been my head. <laughs> yeah, she would beat the living shit out of Shinichi if she ever found out. Oh, for sure. No wonder he's keeping it secret. Uh, Nakajima and Conan then get to the restroom, and they get knocked over by a large man. Conan asks if he works with the game company, but he says that he never saw him before. Uh, the big man uh, uses the number 98 symbol to get a Mantendo briefcase, and Conan finds it strange, as he doesn't have a wristwatch or tie pen like the others. He then overhears the large man talking to Vodka, and he calls himself Tequila. Uh, kind of, yeah, so he's a member of the Black Organization. What'd you think here? Were you excited to meet another member? Like, yes. 
Um, especially because it was tequila. So, like, that's a... I think I would say a more well-known alcoholic beverage that some other members do not have. Uh, and thinking, oh, maybe he's, like, a bigger member somehow. Uh, oh, he's certainly yeah. a bigger member yeah. in terms of size. This guy's huge. Oh, yeah, like, ginormous. Like, Conan needs to stand, like, on about, like, a hundred of him just to get up to Tequila's head. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, Conan drops his change, but the man isn't alarmed. And Conan then puts a transmitter on the guy's shoe as he says he's reaching for a coin, and the guy kicks him for doing so, which is really funny. Uh, it's definitely see... good tell that he's, uh, like, evil, like, definitely a part of the organization. Yeah, a total asshole. Um, and he gets his just desserts very quickly as he goes into a room and he goes to open the briefcase, but then it explodes. It winds up being a bomb. Uh, and then Conan runs off seeing what happened and he finds the man's shoe that he was tracking uh but he was caught in the explosion and is presumed to be dead obviously uh Megary arrives and Conan describes what the victim looked like to the police he says that the man had a Kansai accent so maybe it was Hattori uh, and uh mm. he said what's this it doesn't fit huh it's already open before the explosion Megary says that uh it may have been the toilet door and then Ishikawa, who's the president of Mantendo, arrives. Uh, the president says that he received a strange letter three days ago and that it was a threat. He thought it wasn't serious at the time, so he didn't get it to the police. In the rubble, the police find a key in the Mantendo symbol from the briefcase. However, Conan doesn't understand why it's bent away from the case rather than uh, towards it. He then decides that it must have been a murder rather than a terrorist attack. So... Dun dun dun. The key is in the cloakroom, as they must have swapped numbers. Uh, Conan tries to reach the inspector, but he's held back by Ron. Uh, and we get a little scene where Conan figures out that the person must have swapped cases with one of the three Mantendo employees, because Ron has the keys 96 and 100 uh, for the cloakroom. Megary is unable to learn anything else about the victim. And that's when we see the three Mantendo employees get their gear. And Nakajima is the most suspicious because he had the case of num- m- n- oh, sorry, number 124, which obviously isn't from 97 through 99. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like sort of like an obvious. Well, even this wasn't true because we, we find out later there's yeah. a twist. But uh, I don't know. This, this is almost like too simple of a case, you'd think. Just a, it is. Yeah. Um, it really... you They make you think it's him, but then it's like, no... I think just coming okay. off of the water case, like the waterfall case, and like such a crazy out there mm-hmm. thing, this is just like weirdly simple for a uh, main story to be. Um, Ueda then tells them to check their briefcases as they're easy to mix up. But both Nakajima and Takashita declined doing so. Conan then figures out the case, just as Meguri's telling the crowd to contact him if they remember anything. He decides to knock out Kogoro, but Ron stands in the way and he shoots her in her butt. <laughs> oh, that's great. So good. And then he's like, man, why didn't she fall asleep? And then he realizes it hit the tokens in her back pocket. 
Kellen only has one needle, so he needs to go grab it. So he tries to grab it from Ron's butt, but he ends up touching her butt. Um, and she thought she was getting groped, so she goes to kick the person behind her, and she knocks out Coco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So good. So poor Kagura here. He's already hung over. Feeling like a shit. Feeling like a truck hit him. And then he basically gets hit by a truck. <laughs> Guess I don't need to use my dart anymore. Yeah. So kind of then uses uh, his uh, bow tie to mimic Kagura's voice and solve the case. He says that the bomb wasn't planted in the hotel, but rather in the briefcase as it wasn't a discriminate killing. He says that the bomber will admit to the crime if we check their belongings, and he asks Nakajima to show off the briefcase. He goes to o- he has it opened, and a ton of money falls out, and we see Takeshita, like, shield himself in fear of a bomb going off. So he has a very strange reaction there. Uh, Kegura then reveals that Takashita is the bomber, and that he thought that the bomb he planted would explode when the case was opened. When the victim said it didn't fit, they were talking about the key, but it wasn't him who gave the big guy the briefcase. That was Nakajima. The switch happened at the baggage claim area. Nakajima and the victim exchanged tokens when they bumped into each other. When he checked the briefcase, it exploded and he died. Uh, Megari then asked why the key didn't fit, and Kegura says it couldn't fit because the briefcase had already been swapped out for a bomb intended to kill Nakajima. So if you can't follow it, there are two switches here. So that's what happened. Uh, the tokens were swapped when Takashita mm-hmm. made Nakajima play the punching game. He also cut in line so they would both have um, tokens in the high 90s rather than one of them having like 102 and the other one having a 91. Uh, Megari asked for evidence mm-hmm. and he says that Takashita is now carrying the bag that Nakajima intended to give the big guy so the key will fit perfectly in. Furthermore, everybody else has their Nintendo cases but him. Takashita admits to the crime and says that all the trouble he went through uh, making it look like a terrorist attack was a waste of time. He then says that Nakajima killed Yoshimi, who was the boxing team's manager, and they were all on a boxing team previously. After being dumped by Nakajima, she committed suicide, and uh, Takashita previously dated her and still had feelings for her. So that's the the motive there. What do you think of this death? Because this or the the alleged bombing? Because uh, it's kind of like a weird little side story compared to like the black organization. Yeah, like it. It's like this weird mixed feelings. Like I like the episode because it 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 sort of is a big black organization episode, um, but like. The case surrounding them is pointless and not like super at all important besides yeah. what we're gonna get to next. But I think what's cool about this is that like it kind of shows that like the black organization are total pros, but even they couldn't have predicted this guy trying to bomb his you know his yeah. coworker. So the only way that like shit went cry for them was because of this freak circumstance and we learned that even in that circumstance they're still ready for whatever happens as we'll learn here next uh kegger says that nakajima had a lucky escape and asked who the man was 
He says that his crime syndicate will be after, after Nakajima, so gaining police protection would be smart. Nakajima says he doesn't know anything, but the place to meet him was always the same, a bar called Cocktail in Bakertown. Uh, Kenan runs off to the bar, and but when he gets there, he sees that portion of the building uh, explode just as he gets there. Tries to run in, but he's held back by pedestrians. After the ending song, we learn that the police find a ton of gunpowder that had been used, and they can't tell if anybody had been in there. And it was discovered that Nakajima had taken a list of the world's most skilled programmers from the company, and he was selling it to that organization for money. Kenan then wonders if Jin and Vok had died, or if they had made their own disappearance. Uh, sorry to spoil, but they definitely didn't die. Definitely not. So, yeah, like, we see... That ending is why I like this episode. Like, that's why it's sort of, like, super important. Because you, like, realize that the Black Organization was using this guy. Uh, all they wanted was this money afterwards for, again, what they needed. Uh, but, like, they had some shady stuff and were using this guy for other reasons um, compared to other people. Yeah, and I like them flexing their muscle to show that even when shit goes awry, oh, we can just totally blow up this building without leaving a chase. Mm-hmm. And, like, a safe, controlled yeah. explosion where, like, nobody else got hurt. Like, they really pulled, like, a masterful thing where they got rid of any evidence, like, particularly, like, that could be related to them while not making too big of a scene that, like, the that they're under scrutiny, so... They really don't mess around. So, like, yeah. And how they even knew that that was happening is the even crazier mystery part. They either... Yeah, bugged. it seems like they have, like, surveillance everywhere. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Or m- another member was there keeping an eye on tequila. Make yeah, sure that could be it. Job. That could be it. Maybe it was, uh... Dr. Gasset. No. <laughs> <gasps> But yeah, this is a, a solid episode, a good end to season two. We finally get the, if, I'm glad the Black Organization made one appearance this season, yeah. which is good. I think that's all we can ask for is that the main plot <laughs> gets moved a bit every season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a good episode. That was the only time they appeared that season. Um, we actually don't see them at all during season three. Or season four. Oh my god. Wow. But we won't get to see I them mean, season five. Recently reading it, yeah, it makes sense because it's a lot of break about until. Uh, yeah. uh, Not I that we won't up, be uh, yeah. having a ton of memorable cases and new characters introduced because there's still Definitely. a lot going on. We got Hattori, we've got the Detective Boys, Kaito Kid coming up. So. There's plenty going on. Very excited to keep on going. But, uh, yeah, we get the uh, next Conan's hint, which is onboard vending. But uh, you'll have to remember that for a bit because we're doing the movie next. Because uh, the movie came out in between season two and three. So, and what is the name of that movie, Wow. Well, let me wait for this page to load. Uh, it's the... <laughs> <laughs> it's the Time gosh, Bomb gosh, Skyscraper. Oh, I can't wait to watch these. This again. originally aired April 19th, 1997. So, Woo. very excited. I didn't watch it until, like, 2006, so 
nearly a decade later. Pretty much. So yeah, this will be really fun. I'm excited to get us. We'll have a guest next week. Uh, Colleen will be joining us again. So that'll be fun as we recap the movie. And hopefully Kyle will show up. This bastard. Keeps blowing us off. Yeah, he's on a time skyscraper soon. So that'll be super interesting. I can't wait to watch that. So that'll be its own episode. Um, but until then, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. The show's account is case underscore reopened. I'm at Tyler Trees. Justin is at the Sigma Omega. And uh, Justin, it's it's time for my favorite part of the show. And what we're gonna give some shout outs. To the world. Shout out. To some listeners. Shout to Boulder, Colorado. Shout out to San Jose. Shout out to Oxnard, California. Shout out to San Antonio. I know there's like some flooding down, uh, down in Texas and Houston. So hope everything's good. Shout out to Athens, Georgia. Uh, shout out to Cleveland. Did you ever watch the, uh, the Drew Carey? You ever watch the Drew Carey show? Oh yeah. Like Cleveland rocks. Ohio. Shout out to Montreal. Shout out to uh, New York City. Shout out to uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Oslo. Shout out to Lugo. Uh, Taipei. Yeah, that's cool. Banbuang. Mm. Shout out to Thonfo Bin. Shout out to the people in Adelaide, Australia. There's a Ben Fold song about Adelaide. Shout out to Belmore. We have a, a New Zealand city, uh, Inver Cargill. Shout out to them. So yeah, shout out to everybody. Uh, shout out to Abido, Turin. Yeah, so Nantes, Rio de Janeiro. We got some Brazilian listeners. Dang. Shout out to Santiago. I think that's in Chile. I, I hope I'm not wrong. Yeah. Santiago. Yeah, yep. I believe so. I'm correct. I'm a master of geography. And shout to Lima or whatever South American country that's in. Um, <laughs> we love you all. Lima. Peru. Shout out to our Peruvian uh, listeners. I'm a big fan of your neckties. That's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu move, the Peruvian necktie. But, uh, yeah. So, enough rambling. We'll see you next week. We've got the movie. Kyle will return. I'm forcing him to go over all the episodes he missed, so he'll give us his thoughts on this quickly <laughs> uh, before we do the movie. We have a, a guest on. It'll be exciting. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.